Let me just eliminate all of the white noise for They're you. They're counting on you not understanding what this is all about. They want to create conflict. They want to create this chaos. They want you to be stupid. This is the Conservative Daily Podcast with Joe Waldman. Yeah, I'm a threat because I'm telling you what the Constitution says. And Max McGuire. The flak is the heaviest when the bomber is right above the target about to open the bomb bay doors. And now the Conservative Daily Podcast is on the air. Welcome back to another edition of Conservative Daily Podcast. I am your host for the first hour, Joe Oltman here. And I'm sorry I haven't been with you for the last couple of days. It was just on the, here we go. I haven't been with you for the first last couple of days. I've been working on a bunch of stuff and trying to get uh, emails out to all the people that are a part of the 1776 Ranch. So I want you guys to know that that is coming along swimmingly. Uh, little by little, you'll start getting emails. And... Um, will get us all uh, situated. Go ahead and turn that on. Yeah, both. All right. Um, we, we do have a, we're going to have a guest today. And then we're going to talk about, I'm going to do a couple things. One, the hit piece in the New York Times about me and Eric Coomer. We're going to talk about that. I'm going to bring up some stuff related to uh, the real Eric Coomer. You know, the, the, I didn't read the article in the New York Times, but um, I've had people send me things saying, hey, this article's out from the New York Times. And the New York Times did reach out to me, and I sent them a bunch of information. Um, uh, and they, I did not have a conversation with them. I did it through my attorney because I thought that was the best way to go. But I thought it was fascinating that they had Eric Coomer sit down, literally sit down and, and uh, do a photo shoot to go along with the article. And as she, as Sue de minimis, de minimis, de minimis, I forget what her last name is, Sue from the New York Times, said that, oh, that was a very fair and impartial, um, fair and impartial article. So if anybody wants to give me free access to it, you're, you're welcome to. Um, we're going to start this by telling you that today's podcast is, again, sponsored by Air Medcare Network. If you live in a rural area that's hard to reach by road, do you need to hike or do you, do you like to hike or spend a lot of time outdoors? Health insurance won't always cover the cost of an emergency flight. But with Air Medicare Network, you're covered. For as little as $85 a year, your whole household will be covered in case you ever need to be air medical transported. If you use the promo code daily, you will receive a $50 e-gift card, up to a $50 e-gift card when you sign up today. You can sign up at airmedcarenetwork.com slash daily. For those of you that don't know, I did sign up for this because um, I do a lot of traveling. And I even went one step further and got the part where they'll fly me back to in my hospital record or my area of record. So we'll get that out of the way. All right. So today we have a guest. And before I get into the guest, um, I want to tell you what happened in Portland. Give me a little bit of an update on a few other things that happened. Do we have, do we have um, him in on yet? Not yet? Okay. Um, what happened in Portland over the weekend um, so over the weekend, they had a get-together where they sat and had a barbecue, and Antifa said that they were going to interrupt it. They, and this is just people that are, that are patriots that stand up for uh, the rule of law. And so as a result, um, Antifa called in people from out of state. You had people that were flying in from Washington, uh, from Denver, from uh, Los Angeles, from California. Um, so they, they gathered the troops in Portland but what happened is Antifa showed up and they were the only ones there because the event had been moved. 
I, I thought it was amazing that, that they didn't know about that with all the intel that Antifa has with this, their terrorist network. I thought for sure that they would have actually uh, found out that the event had been moved. So I was getting updates over the last uh, couple of, of, do I have the ability to share my screen yet? Is that, is that a possibility yet, Mr. Producer, or, we, or I cannot share it yet? We are looking into security issues with that. I've been talking okay. over with Chris. Okay. So uh, I started getting a bunch of text messages from people there. And Antifa, once they figured out that the event had been moved, because they did eventually figure it out, they decided that they were going to bring, they were going to bring those people uh, to where the event was. Well, it did not end well for them. Matter of fact, it went so badly for them that, um, let me see if I can get this picture over to you, Mr. Producer. Um, I don't know, have you seen these yet or no? Have you not seen these? A couple of them. I was looking at things recently and <laughs> it, is, are you talking about the one where the dude busted into the glass on oh, the, yeah. the, the van? Yeah, do you, do you have orange. those? I mean, I'll look them up for you All right, perfect. because they were crazy. So they, they decided to show up at a barbecue. There was kids and women and children, or excuse me, there was kids and, and women there. Um, they were having a barbecue. They had some speakers that were talking about restoring order to Portland and around the country. And when Antifa showed up, they brought in a barrage of vehicles with people that were uh, pepper spraying people and throwing, again, flashbangs in the vicinity of children. Uh, but something really bad happened to them. Um, and that is their, their vehicle was pushed over <laughs> by Patriots. They actually pushed over a van. And uh, then they started attacking more people. And so the, I think the Patriots had had enough. The police had already said that they weren't showing up. They weren't going to be in the middle of it. And I think what the police have basically said is that, hey, they don't have to support the Antifa DA, the person that is not prosecuting people that are breaking the law, looting, stealing, murdering people. But they don't have to show up Okay, go ahead, put that up. So this right here is an old ambulance that was used by Antifa. And so they decided they were just gonna push it over. I think it looks better on its side. I just wanna know who actually cleaned it up. I, 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 think it's, I think it's funny that we find ourselves in a place where we're talking about the fact that police are not showing up, that people from Antifa are walking into private, private places where people are just talking and having a good time that are like-minded, that are talking about Jesus. They show up and somewhere along the line, the police say, hey, you guys are going to have to handle it yourself. We're not showing up. So what? Hey, Joe. Yeah. So you've been at a lot of events where that kind of stuff is happening, or at least where the police have backed off here yeah. locally. And yeah. I mean, you're in a crazy location today. Yeah. But um, can you give us a, like an idea of what that's like when you see like crimes being committed by these groups or stuff like that, and you're actually waiting for the police to help and they don't show up? I mean, what's been your experience and your take on that? I think that for me, one of the, one of the most disturbing things about this is the justification of not to instill law and order in the community. I think that, that to a certain degree, they're being hogtied, but I, I don't believe that being able to say, I'm just doing my job should carry any weight. It shouldn't. You shouldn't be able to say, I'm just doing my job when your whole job is to uphold law and order. You shouldn't be just doing your job when you arrest someone and the DA lets them out. You shouldn't, you shouldn't show up and, and be able to live with yourself knowing that people got hurt or murdered. In the case of the Antifa uh, person uh, that works for Nine News, 
murdering Lee Keltner last year, you should not feel good about going to work knowing that you're working for someone that is running a criminal enterprise, a criminal syndicate, that they have a fraternity of people that are to abuse and terrorize the communities. That shouldn't be something, that should never be something that's okay. Never should be something that's okay. But it is okay. So when, when, when patriots get out there and they're just, and I'll talk about the Archer's event that, that happened two weeks ago. Archer is a, is a pastor from um, Canada who has stood up to the um, illegal mask mandates and shutting down churches. So, by the way, uh, mosques were never shut down. No, just, just churches were shut down. And they showed up and arrested him and dragged him through the street. So Art had decided he was going to go to Portland and he was going to speak to people about that courageous faith having courage, standing with courage, becoming lions, pushing back on the hyenas. And, and in and all of those things that, that they were doing, not, not once, not once did the police step in. Matter of fact, the police actually pushed them down to an area where they would be surrounded by Antifa. And uh, there's a video out there. Can you please find the video of the woman in, um, in Portland who interrupted an Antifa? Have we played that yet? I know I've been gone for a couple of days. She interrupted an Antifa press conference. So now the press down in Portland is giving people, is giving Antifa press conferences. She interrupted it and said, I'm a black woman. And you guys threw flashbangs at my children. You came and terrorized people. That Antifa is nothing but terrorists. And says by name that the Proud Boys are not the problem. The problem is you, the terrorists, the Antifa terrorists of our society. So it's, it's interesting that you ask that question, Josh, because the, the reality of it is, is that we're facing a place that, uh, that, that they can act with impunity and they're being supported by the police. So, and, and I, what I'm guessing too is that it... it oh, you have sorry, it? But, um, I'm looking up stuff and you can hear it, they can't. But uh, what I was yeah. going to say is um, not only have, I think, been ignoring Antifa, You've also had some issues where you've asked for the police to help. Yeah. And including the FBI, right? Yeah. And have had, I mean, I haven't heard much since because you've been gone a lot and we, we don't talk a lot. But You mean the fact that somebody sent in the mail powder, powder to my house where I had to at sit home? at 3 o'clock in the morning in the, in the uh, um, courtyard while they set up hazmat? And that FBI, I was told that FBI is there, but they never came and talked to me. And to this day, they've never come to talk to me. And no one's been held accountable and for any of it. You're like a strong dude on the inside. But how much of that can, I mean, well, could the average person take before they're going to be pleading for law enforcement to help? And they, you haven't gotten anything from what I understand, right? I've gotten nothing from law enforcement. Um, now, that's not true. The sheriff's office, here's what did happen that night. I had people that were uh, EMTs and police that that um, showed up and shook my hand. They just lined up and they all shook my hand and said, thank you for all the work that you're doing. Thank you for all the work that you're doing. And, <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> so I would tell you that the, the sheriff's office, sorry guys, I'm doing this on my own again. Max is not here till the second hour or I'm something. I'm here? Well, you're, you're here, but you're not actually here with me. Um, so there's, there is <laughs> a difference. Yeah, right. Um, but I, th I think that the, I think the police, my local police, the, the local sheriff's office was amazing. The, the EMTs were amazing. Um, even the hazmat crew, they were amazing. What wasn't amazing is the fact that up to this point, nobody has done anything about somebody sending stuff to my home to terrorize my, to terrorize my family.
I think I have that video from you do? YouTube. Yeah. All right, guys, this is three minutes. I think that it's a, a three minutes worth. Maybe it's four minutes. A little, little bit longer. I may, I may cut you off in the middle of it. Yeah, it's uh, it's off of YouTube here because I'm having a hard time finding it in the search engines, which is shocking, because every time I try to put in stuff that looks for like Antifa or stuff like that, I can't find it. And Joe tasks yeah. me with finding a lot of stuff every day, and we can usually find yeah. what we're after. But this one's been kind of, you know, what else can I say? Well, this this is probably one of the most courageous women, and I said yesterday on a on a live broadcast that you know women and grandmas and more in particular are going to save our country because they're acting with more courage than the men in our country. But go ahead and play it. Antifa Black Bloc are the ones who threw bombs. Mourners and pepper spray. At me and my children. My baby girl, eight years old, nearly was hit in the face with an explosive by white people dressed up in all black. So what you just saw was a woman that stood up, that showed up to have Pastor Art speak and had bombs thrown at her. And so the, the, she had called all of the different news stations in Portland and said, listen, I want to tell my story about what happened. And all the news stations said, hey, we're not interested in playing your story. But a week later, we're giving Antifa their own press conference, literally giving Antifa their own press conference. This is, and what she, I want to emphasize one of the things that she said. She said this. She goes, it was a bunch of white people dressed in black. Guys, what do I say about Antifa? Antifa is, and I did this on the stage, and for those of you that didn't get to hear it, I spoke at the Reawaken America tour, you know, Clay Clark's tour, which, by the way, the next one is in, in Colorado Springs, and if you, if you want to go to that, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see you. I can't tell you when I'll be there or if it'll be remote or not, but I will tell you that I'd love to see you there. And you can use code FEC to save 10%. But um, I spoke about the fact that Antifa are the pedophiles, the rapists, and the closet racists. It's not a mistake that people uh, like Kyle, we'll just call Kyle who Kyle is, that the, the people that he had to protect himself from were all criminals. They were all previous criminals. One was a pedophile. And, and I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm not, I'm not advocating one way or another for what happened. I, I will privately advocate. If you ask me the question in private, I will tell you exactly what I think. But, but I will tell you as well that, that there's a reason why these people are in the street. There's a reason why Antifa shows up to terrorize people that want to worship God. It's because they're just terrible people. They're evil, evil, evil people. They, they represent the worst of our society not the best of our society. And there is nothing anti-fascist about who they are. 
They are exactly what they say that they are fighting against. They are, they are the, the epitome of the, the bottom of the, the trash pile as it pertains to our society. And they're being given by the, the, the criminal co-conspirators, the, the criminal enterprises that are out there that are running our judiciary and compromising every part of our government. They're being given free reign because they can terrorize the community, dox people in the community, and get away with it. Well, not anymore. Not anymore. So this weekend, when they tipped over that, that, that bus, they also did some really great things. One, they took people's masks off and took pictures of them. They took pictures of people's license plates. They demasked and, and have gotten information on every one of those Antifa members. The new rule is take their mask off, take a picture. Take their mask off, take a picture. There are now people that show up to these events that are taking pictures of all these people, and facial recognition is going to be used to make sure that everyone knows who they work for. Everyone knows, and some of the people that we've been able to uncover work for nonprofit organizations. So they're funneling and money through them. Other people that show up for these events dressed in black and acting like Antifa work for sitting people in leadership across the country that are aides for Democrat senators and, and state congresspeople. Even so much as to say that some of these people work for some of the, the bigger organizations, the Soros's of the world that are out there, Soros organizations that are out there trying to undermine the constitutional integrity of our nation. So I think the, the gig is up. And one of the things that we're going to start doing, the people in Portland are going to start doing is if the police don't show up, we're going to show up. Go ahead. What do you, what do you got? Yeah, I was just listening to that. Um, Mr. Romero was having some technical issues. I have him on the phone for you. Oh, you do? Bring, and you can bring him in right now if you like. All right, so I'm going to go through and and I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. I, I I did not. I know that he is running. He is currently running for office. Um, hold on a second here. I'm going to read you his bio real quick. I think that uh, Greg sent you sent me that information to which email address? Which email address did you send it to? We're not saying that out loud. Oh, okay. Somebody's going to send it to me. Okay. So I'm going to read you a little bit about him. Again, I wasn't, Max had a little bit of an emergency, so he was going to be here to want, run through this stuff. He is not here, so they put it uh, on me at the last minute. So let me tell you a little bit about him. He is a candidate, is running for governor of Oregon. I had an opportunity to talk to Paul Romero about two weeks ago, and one of the things that he said is, I'm going to stand up against this criminal enterprise that is kind of festering and becoming a cancer across Oregon. I know that parts of Oregon are trying to secede from Oregon and become a part of Idaho because they want nothing to do with the craziness. But uh, let's go ahead and bring on Paul Romero, and then we'll walk through some of the things that he's committing to do for, the, for his uh, fellow constituents in Oregon. Paul, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Paulo. Oh, nope, this is Joe Oltman. Oh, yeah, Joe. Oh, hey, Joe. How are you? <laughs> That's right. Hey, it was doing great. It was really great meeting you guys uh, in Portland. Uh, well, I wasn't. I was not. And, I was not there, but I do know that Apollo was there. So, yes, yes. And uh, it was kind of interesting. Was you know, for me, I'd heard all the all the stories about what happens, and uh, me and another gentleman were doing kind of point rounds, driving along the waterfront and looping back around. And we actually spotted the Antifa element, the black block, forming up. And then they went straight to where the police had moved the uh, the, the, the people, the the, uh, the fun-loving, cheerful, 
friendly people. <laughs> now, how did, how did that and, happen if the police weren't involved in telling him where to go? Exactly. I mean, common sense yeah. is common sense. And so after I witnessed that, we kept doing circles around the block to kind of watch what was going to happen. And when they left, I mean, it was like they were there for a very short period of time, did their thing, and then left. When they were leaving, I was on the back side as they came up and rounded the corner and made their left. Up ahead, one block away, were three police vehicles, and they're all just kind of standing around. I know they could see these guys down the street. And after a little bit, they finally got in their vehicles. They drove up around the block and went straight to the waterfront. So, in other words, they knew exactly when they were going to go back down there to save the day, <laughs> which means they, they had no intention of doing that. No, they didn't have any intention of doing and it I, at and all. And I witnessed this. And, and I've seen a lot of video. This. How about the flashbangs, throwing flashbangs at children? Um, is that normally something that oh. you'd be arrested for? You know, yeah, in a big, big way. Uh, I can't even believe that happened. But again, they, they have the confidence to go and do these things because they already know it's already been scheduled and planned. And, you know, we, the, the people were set up and they were set up by the police department. And I don't know who those people are, but we're going to find out at some point and uh, there will be some accountability. Uh, the law enforcement in Portland, it's not, it can't be all that way, but it's obviously. Uh, still working against people, and it's supporting these these uh, these terrorists, these domestic terrorists. Yeah, but w w what is your thought on the Department of Homeland Security coming out and saying that the people that they're more concerned about are the ones that are vaccine-resistant, the ones that are standing up against the election fraud that existed across our nation, um, and ignoring what's happening with Antifa and Black Lives Matter and the kind of the the terrorist network that they built across the country how do, you, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about what Department of Homeland Security is well, saying is the biggest threat with everything burning on around, burning down around us? Fundamentally, they're, they're complicit. And for me, basically, apparently, they're against me across the board. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. a 10-year decorated Navy vet and uh, high security clearances, you name it. And I'll tell you right now, if we wouldn't stand for this in the, in the Navy, why are we standing for it now? And here in Oregon, as you may have heard about, we had this huge illegal grow bust over in Klamath Falls, and the list of elements and departments and agencies involved in that whole thing. And I cannot believe that we don't have the same efforts being put towards the human and child trafficking in Oregon. You know, right. we, we're, we're ranked in the top five of the worst states for human trafficking and child trafficking. And yet, we hear nothing from our legislature, our governor, our secretary of state, our attorney general. These people are taking no action on this at all. And that means either they're complicit or they're related or connected to people who are complicit. So um, very disappointing. All right. So, t so tell me about you're, you're running, you're running for governor of Oregon. Yes. And you just talked about how the police are against you. So the police are against you. Antifa's against you. So, mm -hmm. so, so they're fundamentally against the things that you are committing yourself to with a contract to America. So, do you, do you want to walk through those things that you're committed to as a um, candidate for governor and what you'll bring to the people of Oregon? Well, as you kind of mentioned there, um, I have a contract with Oregon. It basically outlines and details exactly what I'm going to do as governor. And to me, you know, any politician would never do that. And the good news is I'm not a politician. I'm more of a pragmatist. I'm a problem solver and fixer and a doer. <laughs> so, by, by putting that out there, it's letting people know exactly what I'm going to do. Uh, and what's kind of nice, I think, is that 
in showing this to Democrats and, and liberals and progress, all kinds of people, they read that and go, you know, I can kind of support this. <laughs> and it's really the common ground for all Oregonians. And until we get somebody in office that is not a politician and that is about the actual common ground for all people, only then is, are we going to have somebody worth their salt. And that is hard to come by in the political arena. We have way too many politicians. We have way too many good old boys and good old girls and moderates and people that are just trying to accommodate whoever gives them money. That's not the kind of representative representation that we need. So, right. uh, you know, one of the big keys I'm going to be pushing hard is uh, ending income tax for the state of Oregon. The state collects a lot of money and has the ability to do pretty well with the timber industry and hemp industry, two industries I'll be definitely helping to push. That'll create jobs. It'll create revenue for the state. And uh, it'll, it'll save a whole lot of people a lot of money. You have a lot more potential for, for work and what have you. So there, there's so many ways we can fix this, but we have to go forward. And right now we have people running the state that are literally burying the state. They're trying to kill the state. They're, they're poisoning the well. And part of that is the black dog element, whatever you want to call it. But fundamentally they're domestic terrorists who are being allowed to do what they're doing. And at some point, at some point, the villagers will show up with pitchforks and torches. And once that happens, it's not going to just be bad for Black Bloc. It's going to be bad for everybody. And we really try to avoid that happening. But uh, the opposition needs to understand that they have danced on the minefield a little bit too long. So uh, that's <laughs> kind of a little bit in a nutshell. But a big part for Oregon is our education system, parents' rights in education. That's a huge issue. The human child trafficking, another big issue. Jobs. Right. And uh, giving something for our children to, to, to go to, to do. They, a lot of our kids, they, they graduate here. They want to go to college here. They want to stay to work here. But that work is not here. So, well, and and uh, it, can't, like it said, can't be there because there's no economy. Because when you have people that are terrorizing people in the streets and, and basically doing the equivalent well, of a, a criminal enterprise and it's backed up by the judiciary and people in power, then it's, it's a lawless society, right? I mean, is that, is that what exactly you're dealing right. with in Oregon? It, well, at least in uh, certain areas like Portland. Now, mind you, what's good is that the county commissioners and the sheriffs are starting to stand up and actually hold the line and protect their people in each county. And what people need to understand is right now, <clears throat> our county commissioners are extremely important. I actually did a resolution uh, that it was uh, based off uh, Curry County's resolution. We kind of actually fixed it and made it better. Uh, and then we pass that out to every commissioner there is because they need to submit that to Kate Brown, letting her know that she doesn't have the authority in their county to do what she's trying to do, and they're going to hold the line. Then you have the sheriffs. As long as they're a constitutional sheriff, they will hold the line with the county commissioners. The next step is the county clerks. The county clerks do not work for the secretary of state or governor. They work for the voters in their county. And as such, they can do a hand canvas forensic audit anytime they want. Now, something you need to understand about Oregon's elections, something we've just figured out. One week before every election, they come and update the software in all the systems, okay, even the okay. different ones. And we've traced them all back to Dominion. Now, what's interesting is that the question I had is, well, who recertifies that piece of equipment when they come and do the software upgrade? And the answer is nobody. Well, guess what? If it, based on federal law for voting in elections, if it's not recertified, and you can't use it. 
So in effect, every election, every county in the state of Oregon has violated federal law in that regard. So all counties in Oregon must do a hand canvas recount, period. And that's what we're pushing now because people need to go to the county clerks and demand it because that is their job. That's what they have to do. All right. So what's the recourse? What's the recourse for people right now based on what's happening in Oregon? Because I think that there's a lot of people across the nation that feel the same way, that there's that they feel like it's hopeless. That they can't there's nothing that they can do about what's happening, what's happening in their state, what's happening uh, in their local community. When Antifa stands up and oh. the police back them and the judiciary is compromised, you know, what recourse are you seeing that they have in Oregon? The law. One thing I've learned in all this, I've learned way more law than I ever wanted to know, to be quite honest, but that is the truth. We're we're in lawfare right now. Lawfare, and I'm bringing the ammo, and part of that ammo is the letters. If you're a regular employee at Safeway, there's a letter you can sign and give to your boss, and it outlines all the laws that they're breaking and violating, uh, and basically it allows you to sue them. Now, interestingly enough, everybody who goes to work, whether it's federal, state job, or regular public civilian job you sign a non-discrimination clause which is part of your contract well when they come to you to get you to sign an opt-out type form for religious purposes or whatever that is a violation of their contract and when they violate their non-discrimination contract that opens them up to all kinds of lawsuits not just the company if the company backs them up but the individuals who push that that narrative right so as an employee you're fully protected really it's just a process you may have to go through, but it applies also to federal and state jobs as well. And most people don't realize all state laws, all Oregon Revised Statutes apply even to government employees. And okay. here in Oregon, we have a little icing on the cake. Uh, let's see, it's ORS 433. I want to say 317, but I'm not positive about that. Anyway, it basically states that no employer can require any employee to take a vaccine. They can't mandate it. They can't force it. They can't do anything like that at all. And it's written into the law. What's funny is it was Democrats that passed this law. And the, and one of the people that was in the legislature at the time here in Oregon, he even said, why the heck did we put this in here? <laughs> so, so, now- so it's actually just added protection on top of the Constitution, violations of the Nuremberg Code, and uh, uh, non-discrimination contract violations. So this is a this is a huge pool of opportunity for every attorney out there right now. If, if they're really worth their salt, then they're going to step up. But the nice thing is they can kind of put their employers on their heels and say, listen, I'm coming to work. I'm going to do my job and I'm not going to let you discriminate against me. Oh, by the way, this notice that I just signed and gave to you, that's also my notification to you that you're violating your own contract. Okay, and so, as such, so- well, yeah, so you have four documents. You found four documents that amazingly that 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 help people in Oregon opt out, right? That they understand they can exactly. submit a- they, they don't they don't even have to opt out. Matter of fact, if they've already signed that opt out document, there's a there's a segment there even on my own uh, doc opt out document where it says what it says I fundamentally am participating in their crime. And by signing it, just by signing it, even though I'm opting out, just by signing it, I'm actually participating in their crime of violating and, and uh, in discrimination. So okay. I also have a duress document in there. And basically that's saying that, listen, I only signed that document, even though I opted out, whatever, because I was under duress and coercion for fear of my job. Right. Okay. 
and that right. kind of backs them out of that signature. So we're giving them the basic tools they need to protect themselves, do it right, and when enough employers get enough of those documents, I'm telling you now, they're all going to be like, you know, maybe we need, we need to walk it back. <laughs> so, uh, and with the county commissioners going forward with that, with that overall uh, resolution to the governor, that's telling her that no business at all in their county can, can support what she's doing. They, they can't do it. So that actually protects all the businesses in the county. Okay. And that's important. That's why we have to push those county commissioners to, to get together, sign that resolution, get it in Kate Brown's hands, get it to the people. And by the way, that makes them heroes. Yeah. Okay. That's them doing the work they're supposed to do for the so, people. So this and is for, so for me, if you're, this is if you're a part of Oregon, right? So if you're in Oregon, you want to send this to, if you're, if anybody, the, the people that are listening, they're from Oregon, county commissioners sign right. and submit to the governor. Do we have, can we put that up? Can we put that, uh, can we say, Absolutely. And, and here's up. the other thing is Hold a lot on. of this stuff in there, other states have similar laws and you just right. have to go find them and then put your own in there. I mean, it basically is, it's a letter mask. You can kind of uh, massage it to what you need for your person. Okay. And so it's, it's basically, it's just a template. You can change some stuff in it if you needed to. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it All is right. open document. It is free for everybody. And by the way, you know, for I, I'm, I'm ultimately the final one that, that the person that really put it all together, we came up with the idea to do this. And then I got with a bunch of attorneys, constitutional attorneys, natural law attorneys, yep. uh, a bunch of legal assistants, uh, and also people that are experts in Oregon statute law. And these guys are like super geniuses. They went through and found laws that everybody had forgotten about. And the nice thing is it all works for the people. So guess what? That's why right. I call it lawfare ammo. And right now we need a lot of ammo. <laughs> All right. So, so listen, I want to, uh, I, I want to say this, that the, the information you put together is it's amazing information. So I want to say thank you for the people of, of Oregon, oh. but, but I want to, I want to say this because I think it's important and, and this is what people are going to ask for. And that is what's the, what is the next step? Once they fill this out and they send it to the, to the governor and let's just hypothetically say that they say the law is on our side, but they do what they've done for the last 18 months, which is ignore the law. And you have judiciaries that are compromised that basically throw it out for procedure or throw it out for not on the merits, but throw it out because they just choose that, hey, we're not going to hear this. What do you do at that point? <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is uh, being a Cajun, uh, there's one, one way to skin a cat metaphorically, right. and it's yeah. important to always have a backup plan. But our backup plans aren't really backup plans. They're just kind of a circular plan. They're multiple ones, all going to effect at the right. same time. There's lawsuits that are being generated that are going to be going up against Kate Brown and the state. Um, and in the meantime, like I said, the frontline defense for every county is the county commissioners and the sheriff. That's it. As long as they're doing their job and they follow through with this, the city, the people in those counties are fully protected, okay, even from the employers that are violating the law. It, it behooves the employers to basically go, you know what? I read all these laws and, oh, my gosh, uh, I'm in trouble. I can't afford to lose my business by being sued by every employee I have. So I'm going to back off. I'm going to go push on these county commissioners to do their job, make sure the sheriff is doing his job, and uh, keep the pressure on that. Because if you do that, then they're actually acting on behalf of the people and within the boundaries of law. Not my opinion, not my feelings, but the actual law. And with that, that's how we're beating them in court. And we have a couple things going on, and I don't want to go into too much detail because I don't want to give it all away. But we found some laws that where 
if the governor and all her people, the, the secretary of state, the uh, attorney general, if they are violating laws, if they're pushing things like this and violating mm-hmm. those laws, then potentially they can actually be removed, immediately removed by law. And they're the people that are willing to actually take that action. So we have a court case. We have a, a, a jury selection date. And we just have to go through this. It'll be before September. Um, but in the meantime, we burn the candle at all ends. Because right now I can tell you this. No business can afford to lose their, their workforce. They can't right. afford to have their workforce drop dead because of a vaccine. They can't afford to have them leave because they refuse to take the vaccine. They can't afford it either way. It's a double-edged sword for them. Right. But they're better off having an intact workforce because they're going to need it. Well, I, I think that taking away fundamental choice in our country is it, it is a fundamental value of the Constitution. And we've yes. seen the judiciary be compromised to a place where it doesn't even make sense. It doesn't represent the what's best for our nation. And there are some courageous judges out there, but getting in front of the right, wrong one, um, and it, I think I believe it's a roll <laughs> of the dice. And and what they've done oh, is they go ahead. One thing I told you is I always have backup plans. If anybody who knows me about anything, I always have backup plans. We have the law on our side in that regard. And the key will be to have, well, a number of sheriffs in that courtroom at the time. And if a judge chooses to step outside the boundaries of the law, it's not up for him to interpret. He has to follow it. Now, if he says, well, I don't have to follow it because I'm the judge, I got news for you. Oregon law says otherwise. And when that's the case, you have constitutional sheriffs on hand, stand by because someone's going to jail. Well, yeah. but so, again, and, and if somebody goes to jail, somebody goes to jail, and then the judge lets them out, right? So there's, there, again, the, the circularness of what's happening in our society all traces back yep. to a very, very corrupt judiciary of criminals. This is a criminal syndicate. It starts in the judges. They, they yep. basically are pushing down and persecuting people within in society. And people look at it as if a train is in slow motion crashing before their eyes, and they're going, wow, I'm glad that's not me. Well, it will be you. I have another simple philosophy. Yeah. Think about this. How many judges do you know their names in your your town? None. 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 Exactly right. So, yeah. in other words, we're not going to make them famous. One. We're going to make them infamous. I, I Everybody's going to know the names of these judges and everything. Marie Avery Moses, the most corrupt judge in Colorado, followed by the presiding judge in Denver, followed by the, the, the Colorado Supreme Court, yep. which, by the way, right now, is under investigation for the chief judge for giving, literally giving contracts to someone to satisfy a sexual harassment uh, uh, allegation. Wow. That's, that happened. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what. It comes down to the people and who you put in office. Right. And the one thing that's kind of nice about here in Oregon as the new governor is that when that happens, uh, the entire Oregon Supreme Court is going to be replaced because every one of them were appointed by the last two governors. Yeah. So I get to fully clean that court, and it needs to be cleaned. Uh, matter of fact, same with the attorney general. I mean, with the laws that we have, the things that are backing us, we have a way to fix this kind of short sweet because we can't afford Kate Brown for another year and a half. No, not at all, because there's still people that are following her lead, no matter how illegal it is. And what they don't realize is that if they follow these illegal mandates and everything else, they are now complicit. They are guilty. And unless their employees and their people absolve them of their sins, they're going to be held accountable. And they're not going to like what's going to come down the pike because there's way more voters than them. And for yeah. me, you know, it's not about this is not a Democrat Republican thing. 
this is a people thing. This is a American thing. And it's, it's good versus evil. And whether they like it or not, they all have to be in part of the fight. And I'm just doing the best I can to give them the tools, the knowledge, the understanding, so they can do it boldly and confidently. And yeah, once well, you have a whole lot of people that are bold and confident, trust me, even the most powerful right now really aren't. Yeah, and I think that just brings us back to accountability. And that's all we really want. We want to get back to a place of accountability where we all have the ability and the right to choose, that we don't have a corrupt and complicit government that owns vaccine uh, um, vaccine, uh, what is it called? Uh, patents. And they don't uh, right. have financial interest in different companies like voting companies that they're not peddling, you know, election machines on the side and representing people within their constituencies on the inside where organizations aren't owned by foreign corporations that are then pressing down laws and rules that aren't funding privately people's uh, pet projects so they can get access to uh, power within our system. Yeah. So, hey, Paul, we're going to let you go. We're going to put your uh, really quick. We'll put up your website. Can you go ahead and put up his website? Okay. Mr. Producer. So this is Paul's website. Just so you know, you can go and you can support him. He is in the fight um, and he is doing some really, really, really great things in Oregon. He's not only running for office, but he's also um, uh, he's also giving he, he's standing in the gap. And he's gonna go, you can go to Romero for Oregon dot com. That's R-O-M-E-R-O-F-O-R-R-O-R-E-G-O-N dot com. And you can give him your support. And you can also see his platform and you can see his contract with um, the people of Oregon. Paul, thanks for, thanks for stopping by. I do appreciate you and best of luck in your campaign. God bless you. Absolute pleasure, Joe. And, and like I tell my people, you know, in the lion's den, never give up, never surrender. That's the other guy's problem. And with what I just did with this, these four documents, we're drawing a line in the sand but we are drawing it firmly about 100 yards behind them. So it's time for all of us to step up and do our small little part. Right. And that's Thank it. you. And God right. bless. God bless you. Paul Romero running for Oregon governor was just with us. Um, always good to have him. So I want to take a, take a moment. we got a couple minutes till we go to the second hour. Um, I want to take a minute and I want to walk through this uh, article with the New York Times. And uh, what was amazing about this article is they put out an article saying that Eric Coomer was the perfect person for the conspiracy. So now they're trying to wrap a bow around and using the New York Times as a weapon to go out there and say that I lied. So I'm going to just tell you right now, I gave seven hours of testimony, seven hours of testimony um, on Thursday of last week. That seven hours of testimony included everything from... Uh, questions about how I got access to the information all the way up. I'll make that available. The reason why I didn't show up for the uh, deposition of Eric Coomer's attorney was because he said to my attorneys, if he doesn't give up the guy that's with Antifa, we're going to have him thrown in jail. So if anybody knows anything about Denver and the fact that it's the Antifa capital, um, I would last about a week before they had a blanket party with four or five of their Antifa thugs in the middle of a Denver police station. So I already know that that's the case. I already know that, um, that their ultimate goal is to have me killed. I already know that the judge in this case, Judge Moses, is nothing but an Antifa uh, sympathizer and um, co-conspirator. And you would say, Joe, come on, those are really strong words. I can prove it. On June 5th of last year, we now have 
we have more than enough evidence to show that that uh, her with her family made a poster with her family, literally marched in the Antifa protest in June of 2020. She did that. And then she gets appointed by the governor. Her social media platform is now cleaned, clean, clean drive. They missed a few things, but we were able to pick those things up. Then there's these other connections that we need to talk about when we deal with this article in the New York Times, and that is the New York Times, her name is Sue, just kind of go to this, Domin, Dominus, Dominus. Sue Dominus is a writer for the New York Times. So what I did is I went ahead and gave her a bunch of information that she already had. Now, I know that she had already written the article and she wrote this thing saying, hey, you should go look at it. I don't know if you've been able to see it. Have you been able to see the, the article? You want to go ahead and put it up? I, I'm trying, but the New York Times keeps telling me to pay for stuff and yeah. keeps taking away the story. Well, I'm not going to pay for it, but I'm going to put this up if you could. Um, and I know we're in different locations, but I'm going to go ahead and send this to you right now. And if you could put this up, that would I would appreciate it. I, I more want to show them the picture of the clean-cut good guy, right? So go ahead and put that up. This is the headline for the article. There's uh, Eric Coomer with his beard cut off. Um, you'll notice he's had a beard for a long time, so they had him sit and do a photo shoot where he looks like the innocent person that he's not. Now, I, I want to send something else to you that should be interesting. I'm going to send you a bunch of stuff all at once. Um, this is a excerpt that I will make sure you guys, this, this is going to be very, very graphic. And for the attorneys of Eric Coomer that are listening, hi, mom, how you doing? So let, let me get to something that I talked about on Telegram yesterday very succinctly. And is this. One, Eric boasts of his exploits. So what I'm about to show you is something that Eric Coomer wrote. I didn't write it. Eric Coomer wrote it. He wrote this about his own wife. Now, this, con this, this content that I'm going to share with you specifically is, it is, uh, I, I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to tell you. Do, do you have, can you have Telegram, Mr. Producer? Can you go in that and share these, these things on Telegram? If you can, please do. Have somebody do it. Okay. So I'm going to read something to you. Now, this was a part of the dossier that Miss Dominus had. And I know that I have several podcasts that are being scheduled right now that we're going to be talking about this stuff. So when we ran out and I saw this information, I answered all the questions from, from Susan. I answered them all. She asked me questions. I answered them honestly. I knew it was going to be a hit piece. I knew it was going to be something to try and get the middle over to Dominion's side. I know that they're working overtime right now because, frankly, the lies that they have now, are they're not, they're not outpacing. They're, the people are waking up faster than, than their lies are able to, to turn people's opinions. And so I knew, I knew that this was going to be a hit piece. But let me tell you what I wrote on Telegram. And it, by the way, it, it'd be on my Telegram, and it's from Garrett uh, Zygor. He put it on his deal. Eric boasts of his exploits while humiliating his wife publicly. What kind of person does this? What kind of person has his wife bark like a dog and pisses on her. He wrote this. This is his. 
She wants to, the, the, the Susan wants to reward Coomer and punish anyone who betrayed that evil. That is what we are dealing with. That is how heavy this fight is. And I said that the weight of the world is on my shoulders. I will not flinch. God wins. Make no mistake. That's how it ends. But, but I walked through this, and after reading it, I had to write something down on Telegram, and I like Telegram because I get to talk to people and nobody gets in the middle of the conversation and people can comment if they want. I can look at comments if I want, um, but I don't have to engage in the comments if I don't want, although I do at times. So Eric Coomer is a director of security and strategy for a voting system responsible for 40% of the votes in our nation. He's also the owner of the IP, intellectual property, owns a patent partially or fully, owns a patent. He has walked around the country pitching that product, being the salesperson, being the person that implements it, being the person that shows up on election night. He is the Swiss army knife of Dominion Voting Systems. Eric Coomer said that I defamed him. There's only one problem. I told the truth. And there's a second problem. How do you defame someone who is as vile and disgusting as he is publicly? And I wrote, hidden in plain sight for all to see indeed. Before you read the post that I'm about to put up, because I am going to put up this post, I want to tell you something that you, you want to, I want to look into the mind. I'm going to show you the picture of him again. And I'm going to look into the mind of this person. I'm going to read to you what he wrote, what he wrote about his wife publicly. It's going to be pretty vile. I'm going to skip over the bad words. I'm probably going to skip over some of the parts that have to do with the um, sexual deviation, although some of it is, is fascinating to look into the mind of a person that would publicly humiliate his own wife. Do you have that? Do you have that post? The text that you sent me inside that message? No, I sent you a, a, a post that's on Telegram. You'll have to go on Telegram, go to my Telegram to see it. So I'm going to read the first part of this deal, and I'll put the the um, I'll put an, a link to it. We've downloaded all of these things. Okay, I've been gone for a while, and I'm back with another story. As always, the events depicted are based completely on Emily and Eric's real adventures. The following contains graphic humiliation, knife play, no blood, whipping, slapping, degradation, and H2O sports. If this offends you, I don't care. Just don't read it. Any nice replies or critical intermezzos may be sent to me at, and it has his, he, he actually put in here his Berkeley email address and to his wife at her email address at Suncorp. So I'm going to read a part of this to you because that was the first part of it. We played a little with humiliation, but never really that severe. And Emily had been really craving something extreme, and I really wanted to give it to her. I can't read this. I can't read this. I would, I would just stop, man. I can't um, read it. I would just, I'd just stop at that stuff right now. Guys, go to my Telegram channel, and you can read it. It's on my Telegram channel, uh, at Joe Oatman, or at the left or liars. We just don't need that here. Uh, I just, as I'm starting to read it again, I just say that it is crazy. I mean, some of the things that he says in this stuff were... Um, he found them and, and, and calls her the little, uh, you're going to have to bleep this, Josh, so the little slut slave. He talks about making her bark like a dog, urinating on her in the shower. So 
Th this is, put up the picture of Eric Coomer again. I'll put it up here in a second. This is the Eric Coomer that should be absolutely believed, this guy. This is the guy that should be, he was the perfect villain for voting conspiracists. See, the problem with this is that he's saying that I lied, but I didn't lie. See, I wasn't looking for Eric Coomer. I wasn't looking to get involved in Eric Coomer. I wasn't looking to have the conversation about Eric Coomer. I didn't even have any sort of inclination to talk about election integrity. I didn't know that it was a problem. And it's not that there weren't articles dating back to 2016, but I wasn't looking for him. I wasn't. I was looking for the people that are writing bad stuff about me. Now, this is the guy that, wrote the, that, that posted the Antifa Manifesto on his Facebook page. He didn't just post anti-Trump things on his Facebook page, as the article alludes to. No, he posted things about killing cops. He posted things about F the USA. He posted things about being anti-Trump in ways that I can't even say on the show. This is a guy that publicly, publicly goes out and berates, gets drunk, and beats on people. This is what he is. But they make him in this article seem as if he's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's solid. He boasts about his exploits and humiliates his wife, who, by the way, he's not married to anymore, but he did not do the things that he boasted about on that call. That's what I'm supposed to believe. I'm supposed to believe that people come to my house to try and kill me, that people come and, and send stuff to me saying they want to me to drink through a straw for the rest of my life. But this guy, no, no, the clean-cut guy in the New York Times that they have him sit for this deal who talks about peeing on his wife publicly, using his public email address, and he did not do anything wrong. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here at all. It's disgusting. It's disgusting that we can take someone so vile as this and stand him up on some sort of pedestal and say that there are conspiracy theorists with as much evidence that's out there. I can't have it. We got to take a break. And when we come back, I think Max will be back with us at some point. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we got lots of other stuff to talk about. We talk about the vaccines. We're going to talk about what's happening in our country. We'll talk a little bit about what's happening in the case and the fact that the judge, again, is violating procedure to her own benefit. And the fact that we are stuck in a system, not for long, we're stuck in a system where we have an Antifa judge, we have Antifa lawyers, we have an Antifa member who's also a skinhead. We'll talk about that as well, Eric Coomer. And we'll talk about truth, because somewhere along the line, it just doesn't matter to these evil cabalists. We'll be right back. Ronald Reagan famously said that our freedoms are never more than a generation away from extinction. Conservative Daily exists to make sure that never happens. With our community of 700,000 members, we fight every day to hold Congress's feet to the fire and stop them from surrendering our rights and freedoms. The fight to take this country back is not over. Please join our movement right now by going to conservative-daily.com and clicking the subscribe button to sign up for our free 
call to action newsletters. We have a chance to save this country, but only if we all work together. Again, this is conservative-daily.com, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button at the top.